Hello there, and greetings to you. Welcome to Duel of the Takes, the movie and pop culture podcast that pins the wildest, most unpopular opinions head-to-head. This week we're ranking all the 2D animated Disney movies that came out between 1989 and 1999, more commonly known as the Disney Renaissance. A topic this important needed a great guest, and we are happy to be joined by Matt King, the host of Hoot and a Half, a member of Log Squad, and an all-around stand-up guy. My name's Nathaniel Martin, and I am joined by my regular co-hosts, Joshua Kubis, Alden Mason, and Jory Boston. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Duel of the Takes. Today, we're doing a very special episode, a topic we've had requested since the inception of this show. We are ranking the Disney Renaissance movies. These are perhaps the most prolific Disney movies, everything from The Little Mermaid through Tarzan, these are the Disney movies this generation like grew up watching at home. We are also joined by a special guest, Mr. Matt King. Yes, what an honor. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I didn't even know you had a podcast when we were hanging out um, for like 4th of July weekend. You were like mentioning, oh, I got to go edit my podcast. And my eyes just like widened. And I said, what? You have a podcast? And you go, yeah, we just like debate and discuss films with my friends. And I go, um... I am going to be on this, whether you're going to say yes or no. (laughs) Now we're here. Now we're doing it because I just want to geek out about all of this. And this is so cool. You have this with your friends. And thank you for having me on. Hey, absolutely. Thanks for being here. I think that uh, this is a great topic for you, too. I know you're always kind of uh, we've watched a couple of these movies together and you were quoting almost every line. It was very impressive. I, I know I can't help myself. I, my my memory I, is just like so deeply ingrained into like all of these movies. And so any opportunity where I can lash out all the references I know about them without looking like a crazy person, this is the opportunity to do it. So I'm going to take advantage of it. <laughs> At least you can quote good movies. I'm stuck quoting like Revenge of the Sith for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm still quoting uh, The Phantom Menace because uh that one love it but negotiations we've lost all communications (laughs) (laughs) oh man that is my fourth favorite star wars movie (laughs) (laughs) a list for another time yeah another time we gotta rank these ones out so let's do it matt you're gonna go first with your number 12 here are the movies you have to choose from the little mermaid ducktales the movie treasure of the lost lamp the rescuers down under Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, A Goofy Movie, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, or Tarzan? What is the worst of the Disney Renaissance? Well, Nate, if you asked me this question when I was a kid, I think that this movie would have been ranked higher on my list. Now being an adult, revisiting them. This one, unfortunately, is hitting the very bottom, and that is... DuckTales, the movie Treasure of the Lost Lamb. Hmm. It's weird. So it's like, it's not my number 12, but it's my number 11. So I'm like, hmm. I'm in the same place as Josh here. I tried watching these movies both yesterday. I hadn't seen The Rescuers Down Under as a kid. So that was my first time watching it. And I thought it was boring. How dare you? How dare you, Jory? Whoa. Uh-oh. Oh. I tried watching DuckTales immediately after, and I thought it was more entertaining, but I didn't finish it. Yeah, and to be honest, I didn't really finish it either, and I also wasn't a fan of the DuckTales uh, franchise, so I couldn't really relate to it, and I also am just not a fan of the Ducks of Disney. (laughs) (laughs) This movie, I just feel like, is a movie just to put on for your kids, and 
just let them just be entertained by. It's not something the adults are like, oh, this is a good one. It's just straight up for kids. And I don't feel like it aged that well for my mind, body, and soul. So it's last, but no hard feelings. It's just, ugh, I need to take like an ibuprofen after watching it. I have it at my number 11 uh, as well. I think there is a movie that's worse than it, but I don't know. I mean, it really didn't hold up. I was excited to go back to this movie because I hadn't seen it since I was a kid and it did not age well uh, at all. DuckTales, The Treasure of the Lost Lamp is pretty much a uh, made for TV like special and it shouldn't really have been in this list. Well said. There's a much better made-for-TV special further down on this list. It seems like the the panel is not leading towards a Rescuers Down Under debate right now. Is there anybody else that would like to nominate a movie for the last spot? No, I think it's DuckTales. I think it's DuckTales. I don't think anyone's going to die on the hill of DuckTales' Treasure of the Lost Lamp being something, like, noteworthy. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't about to debate for anything, but I wanted to see if anybody else wanted to take a shot at it. <laughs> say the most fascinating thing about DuckTales Treasure of the Lost Lamp is the fact that they do like the the genie in a like in the lamp kind of story three years before the movie Aladdin. But it was probably just something that like all the animators were already thinking about because that movie was so, so much smaller than Aladdin. They were just like, oh, yeah, we can like recycle some like ideas. We'll make our own genie in a lamp movie with ducks and money <laughs> all right alden it's your turn for number 11 so i think my next lowest is going to be hard to argue so i'm gonna put pocahontas here oh yes i had i had the same for 11 pocahontas 11 i think pocahontas is around this level but there's one movie that i dislike more and was my number 12 i think number 11 should be the hunchback of notre dame as long as we're nominating movies here I still have The Rescuers down under at my number 12. No, Rescuers is a good movie. You're just being mean. <laughs> Are you watchmaning Rescuers down under, Jory? Am I watchmaning Rescuers down under? I didn't know this movie was so well-beloved. It's not. It's an underrated classic that more people need to see, and I'm going to elevate it over movies that I have significant problems with, like Pocahontas and Hunchback and Notre Dame. Okay, Jory, here's my thing about Rescuers down under. Rescuers Down Under was the first, I'm pretty sure, digitally made animated film, no cameras. Yep. That opening shot of Rescuers Down Under, where you start out in like you're in the outback of Australia and there's all those flowers and it just hits. And it's this mega zoom in shot where you're flying on like a, um, you know, a worm's eye point of view all across the ground. And it's that dun 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 the chills that it gives you. I can't describe it. When I was a kid, that just meant the journey is about to begin and you are on it. I have to keep arguing it because I don't feel like any movie like hits that main vein like Rescuers Down Under. And Pocahontas, what? They have this sugar-coated conflict between natives and English settlers. It's just this distorted storytelling of history and I'm just not a fan of it. She married the wrong John. Yeah, she married the wrong John. Yeah, I don't think that Rescuers Down Under is even up for debate here. I think Jory's just a little out of whack. Uh, I think it is between Pocahontas and Hunchback because Josh and I both have Hunchback lower, if I'm not mistaken, and Alden and Matt both have Pocahontas lower. Pocahontas is one slot lower. It is my number 10, and Hunchback is my number 9. I am definitely siding on Nate on this one. I think that the Hunchback of Notre Dame is not as good as Pocahontas. And Pocahontas might be problematic for a myriad of reasons, 
the least of which isn't changing actual history and trying to graft it onto a Disney movie. But I think that Pocahontas has a lot more going for it animation-wise and music-wise than The Hunchback of Notre Dame does. Ah. The Hunchback of Notre Dame has a few good moments, but I don't think that as a whole it holds up as much as Pocahontas does. I agree. I agree. But yeah, a Hunchback is number 10 for me. And that was kind of like a new decision for me, revisiting it as an adult. I just never really knew that The Hunchback of Notre Dame was a Victor Hugo adapted story. And it really deals with, it's the darkest one. It deals with uh, uh, heavily religious and political issues, but there is no bangers. Pocahontas is better because... Colors of the Wind, that's that's a banger. Colors of the Wind sequence in Pocahontas gives me the same chills. All the hairs on my neck stand up, just like what you were talking about, the intro of uh, The Rescuers Down Under. I rewatched all these movies in the past eight days, and I'm suffering for it right now, mentally. <laughs> that those two were the biggest, like, exciting moments out of this entire list. Uh, Colors of the Wind and Rescuers Down Under's opening shot. Sometimes when it's, like, the fall, and there's, like, a lot of leaves on the ground, I like catch myself trying to run really, really fast in it just to like emulate that that spirit of her <laughs> <laughs> having a trail of leaves, uh, you know, falling behind me. I would love to see you like recreate Colors of the Wind with like just an autumn breeze. Yeah, and my, and my friends just look at me awkwardly, like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "You wouldn't understand." Yeah, Hunchback is just extremely, extremely dark. Like, I watched that movie after I watched Pocahontas, and uh, I watched Hercules that same day, and I literally like had to just turn off the TV and go to bed, or like I was depressed after watching Hunchback at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I will say one thing in uh, Hunchback's favor. I do like that Frollo is like an actual villain. Whereas like the rest of the Disney villains, it's like, okay, you're like the cartoon antagonist. We get it. But Frollo's just like, nah, I just murdered your mom and I'm about to burn this chick because she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, Frollo's not fucking around out here. That's the one redeeming thing for me about Hunchback. It doesn't have those giant moments that I love about these animated Disney movies. What it does have is it has a couple of Really great characters in Quasimodo and in Esmeralda. Like the only reason I didn't turn that movie off out of disgust was because of those two characters. I also like um Kevin Klein's character, uh Phoebus or whatever. Like uh Phoebus. Thank you. Protagonists you care for and want to see win. And I can't say that about too many other movies. And you got Demi Moore. And she does a little bit of like a strip tease in Hunchback. She's dancing up on that pole in front of that town. You know what? Actually, Hunchback is number one because of sex appeal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just can't believe the MPAA gave Hunchback and Notre Dame a G rating. Like, what? Yeah, that's kind of wild. I feel like PG at the least. And the town in, in uh, Hunchback is one bully-ass bipolar town. Because after all that <laughs> celebration, like they're like, they, they like, oh my gosh, we love Quasi. He's the best. They crown him and everything. And he has this glorious moment. And then it takes one guy to throw a tomato at him. And they're like, oh yeah, never mind. Screw this guy. I'm like, what? Also, how about the dude that was singing the song at the very beginning about like Quasimodo's like getting kidnapped by Frollo and then almost like executing the main characters and then also at the very end just being like, nah, we love Quasi now. The town is like the Star Wars community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much we've brought up star wars too many times in this one video josh we're not even out of the second spot josh is the star wars guy he's just playing to his gimmick cut him some slack okay, <laughs> i'm sorry josh drink more hey you yeah 
you. You want to help support Duel of the Takes and look sexy as all hell doing it? Well, we have a great offer for you. Right now, Pierre Arden is offering a special deal on their whole inventory of European-style timepieces and wristwatches for our fans. Head over to pierrearden.com and use promo code NATEM25 at checkout to get 25% off your order. At Pierre Arden, their focus is to design cutting-edge timepieces alongside precision manufacturing, making every watch a true masterpiece to be proud of. I'm a sucker for a good deal, so I bought one myself the Complaiso, which is currently on sale for $30 off its regular price. Plus, with promo code NATEM25 at checkout, you'll save an additional 25% off your order. You'll be walking away with a great fashion accessory and a way to keep time without pulling out your phone. All for a great deal. Again, head over to PierreArden.com. That's P-I-E-R-R-E-A-R-D-E-N dot C-O-M to pick out a nice watch for yourself or a loved one, and use promo code NATEM25 at checkout. Save 25% off your order. It helps the show, and it'll help you make an impression wearing a sexy new timepiece on your wrist. All right, so at number 10, Jory, I know you're going to say the rescuer's down under. I think Pocahontas was in discussion as well. I'm going to hold off on my Rescuers take because it seems like I am just out of whack on this one. Rescuers is my next lowest, but I think I do agree that it seems like the panel is going with Pocahontas on this one. Rescuers uh, is very low on my list. I'm actually with you, Jory. Yeah, I'll go with Rescuers down under it. (laughs) What we were saying about Hunchback of Notre Dame and Pocahontas being like, oh, too dark for a Disney movie, kind of depressing, a little problematic. Rescuers Down Under is straight up boring. How dare you? Every movie on this list has beautiful animation. And The Rescuers Down Under being the first uh, animated movie not shot with cameras. Okay, cool. That's fine. It got it raised up over two other movies that I enjoy more on this list. What happens after that intro? It takes us through that entire thing and it's like, okay, this little kid gets kidnapped. The Rescuers are going to save him. And then the Rescuers exit the story until the very end. My main problem with Rescuers Down Under is that it doesn't feel like it's part of this renaissance. It felt like a movie that just so happened to come out after The Little Mermaid. It it just doesn't feel like it belongs here. I totally disagree. I think that the the voice cast of The Rescuers Down Under is probably the second or third best voice cast out of any Disney movie ever. I think that Bob Newhart and Eva uh, Gabar kind of bring this like old-timey Hollywood element to a pretty simple story at face value. But the, the characters thrive so well in this script, treats its audience as mature as you can for a children's movie. Like the whole scene where they're trying to get John Candy Seagull or or, uh, whatever he's called, an albatross uh, named Wilbur to like take them to Australia. Like in a normal kids movie, they'd have this big debate with him. Then the main characters would have to lie to him and say that they're going there for a certain thing. But this movie is so important for kids because the moment that Bernard and Miss Bianca mention they're going to Australia to rescue a kid that's been kidnapped and is in danger. Silly, wacky sidekick character, John Candy's Wilbur, literally goes, oh, we're leaving now. This is important. And I think that that's something that should be valued in a list of movies that the main target audience is children. Because I think that this really shows what responsible 
adults should look like in a lot of these movies where the adult characters are just villains or Id- idiots. I completely disagree, Nate. I think we just placed a movie that treats a child audience as more mature, maybe more mature than it should. Nate, I well, I agree with you. And if I, I feel like we're on that like sports show, and if I was in charge, I could like send you points, like little upvotes, being like, yes, 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 I like what you're saying. <laughs> you guys do think that if Rescuers Down Under needs to be a little down under on our list, I'll let them have it. One more vote to hear. Yeah, I'm not gonna let you have it. Both of the scenes talked about just now were what I was going to bring up with the intro being as strong as it was, and then as soon as they got to Wilbur's. Both of those scenes are in the first like 15, 20 minutes of the movie. What does it do for the rest of the yeah, I know. Another plot point that I could bring up is the whole engagement thing between Bernard and Miss Bianca. He, you know, he's going to Australia. You think he's getting cucked for the whole movie? He's getting cucked for a scene, and then those characters disappear for the whole movie. Okay, but he wanted to uh, propose to her at that dinner before they get called on this mission, right? And the whole movie, Bernard's having this, like, sort of existential crisis where he wants to marry this person that he cares about so much, but at the same time, he feels like his, like, manlyhood's being challenged. And he becomes the hero at the end of the movie he saves the day if he doesn't rescue the kid directly he certainly rescues his two friends in the australian outback i think that's pretty epic i just want to add it really has nothing to do with the storytelling but anytime i do see a chandelier no matter where i go i always think of rescuers done under and picturing like a whole bunch of like mice and crickets making pea soup When I was a kid, our McDonald's, I kid you not, had a chandelier in the middle of the McDonald's. I think a really cheap looking chandelier looking back on it. But in my mind, every time I see a chandelier, I always think of the rescuers down under. This is my one time to share that weird thing. So I'm going to say it. I love it. Are we putting Pocahontas at number 10 or are we putting rescuers down under at number 10? Alden. Pocahontas. All right, Josh, to you with number nine, it's probably going to be more uh, rescuers down under talk, isn't it? Alden, Matt, Nate, do you guys all want rescuers down under higher? Because then I won't even try. I have it a little bit higher in my list, but I don't think it needs to be like top five or anything crazy. No, Nate, I agree with you. But Nate, like, if they don't like it, just just give it to them. Like it, I I will always hold it close to my heart. Matt, this is a tooth and nail show. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till we get to the top three, dude. We're gonna be debating like semantics on these movies. I can throw my towel in on Rescuers Down Under, but I just want you guys disagree with it. No, it's really beautifully well done, and it holds a special place in Disney animated history. And that's why it's the only reason why I think it's just a little bit up there. But where is it on your on your list? Oh, Rescuers Down Under is number seven on my list yeah same okay so it's not that much higher it's much higher on my list okay so how about i throw in we haven't talked about it yet feel like it could be the next one hercules okay I feel way more comfortable with Rescuers Down Under here. Hercules has a lot more notable about it, and it holds up better today to like a modern audience than Rescuers Down Under does. I have Rescuers Down Under higher than Hercules on my list, but I also feel like on the group list, like that's actually a pretty bold and controversial statement, and most of us don't agree that the Rescuers Down Under is better than Hercules. Rescuers is higher than Hercules on my list too. Uh, Hercules is higher than Rescuers on my list. So yeah, three out of the five people don't think that Hercules is better than Rescuers, so I don't think we should write it in that way. Is there any other movies that we think could be uh, in discussion for number nine? I've got a movie there. I have The Little Mermaid. I have Beauty and the Beast. I also have Beauty and the Beast. How dare you guys? I knew that that was going to be controversial. How 
dare you guys? Listen, I'm just not a big fan of Stockholm Syndrome, that. that's all. What other, what other movie on this list has ever been nominated for Best Picture? <laughs> I don't know. Why does it matter if Disney's buying out the Academy? I think that the Best Animated Feature category should have been added well before, so movies like Beauty and the Beast could thrive. It, a Best Picture nomination for Beauty and the Beast? I mean, it's fine. It's a good movie. Oh, are you kidding? Wait, are you guys? Are you kidding me, guys? I might just log off right now if this is if this is <laughs> if this is how it's going to be, and we're treating Beauty and the Beast. But, okay, listen. There's a very simple. There's a very simple solution here. Let's just place rescuers down under. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Play. Then put down rescuers down under. Then put it down. I'll take that as a sacrifice for Beauty and the Beast to be higher on this. Hell yeah, rescuers down under number nine. Yeah, because I have Beauty and the Beast uh, higher than Hercules. So yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I, I think this is a good compromise. I think this is where Rescuers Down Under needs to needs to go at number nine on this list. It cracked the top 10. I think that that's better than most people would uh, would put it making a list like this. Right. I guess one thing we should probably mention briefly, most people when they associate the Disney Renaissance, they leave out like the Disney Toon movies, which were uh, I guess like theatrical released films based off of TV shows in DuckTales, Treasure of the Lost Lamp, and a movie that I think we're going to be talking about quite a bit later. <laughs> I think that's really interesting because most of the time people just associate the movies made in 1989 through 1999 as the 10 uh, classic Disney animated studios releases. That being said, it's my turn here at number eight. Um, we've The movies that have been in discussion are Beauty and the Beast, Hercules, and The Little Mermaid. Of those, Beauty and the Beast is the one I have lowest. I think that we're, once we got Pocahontas, Hunchback, DuckTales out of the way, these are all classics. These are all movies that someone out there it's their favorite movie so i feel bad putting beauty and the beast this low but for me after growing up with it as a kid going back to it i always felt somewhat disappointed i maybe it's just me matt where do you have hercules do you have it above or below beauty and the beast uh hercules is below beauty and the beast i'm with you there same for me i also have hercules uh above beauty and the beast on my list beauty and beast is my number eight however if we're gonna talk about the Disney Renaissance as a whole. I feel like it is kind of hard to not include Be Beauty and the Beast up there. Opinion, I don't really enjoy it that much, but it does have a really solid soundtrack, which personally is most of what I look for in these movies. If the argument is going to be made, I'm fine with Hercules going here instead. Yes. I just think Hercules, like, it can only get so high because I feel like when it comes to the Disney Renaissance, it's one of the more forgotful ones. It's got a lot of iconic music. It's got really bad pacing issues where Beauty and the Beast, you do remember it beat by beat a lot. It's just a lot more well-paced to me. Uh, the characters are a little more iconic for me, and uh, it's got to be a little higher than Hercules for me. I feel like alone James Woods' uh, Hades is better than most of the characters in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Good. But that's just me. Well, Beauty and the Beast, I think already from the get-go, you have this bomb-ass intro, you have France in the fall, you have, you know, friendly sheep. There are all these really cool details like the skull eyes and Gaston eyes when he's looking through the uh, the people in the door. It's a musical, and I was in the musical when I was younger, so maybe I have a closer connection. Oh, so you got bias, huh? <laughs> a little bit of a bias, but it's it also is it has this Fantasia-esque homage to it because i think it's one thing like oh animating animals and people but when you're animating objects and you're bringing uh inanimate objects to life 
there's this really beautiful um element to that and it's it's one of it you can say it's one of the cheesiest morals is like don't judge a book by its cover but it's like the most classic fairy tale i mean i, I can let y'all bring it down a little bit i'm not i'm not gonna bring it down because i do think that disney princesses definitely have a place especially talking about disney's filmography as a whole i mean there's a reason that they're so iconic and beauty and the beast is definitely one of the better of those movies i think uh i i hadn't watched hercules since i was a little kid and that was the first one of these movies i went to rewatch. i think that might be the reason i have it over something like beauty and the beast uh, a movie that i've seen several several times and uh, you know once you've seen it and the formula the way it plays out is beauty and the beast it's just a little to say that it should be continued to be held at this elevated status hercules i was thoroughly entertained by i do agree it definitely has some pacing issues but there are some redeeming qualities not only in the soundtrack and in james woods i really liked meg as a character i thought that she was really flushed out for like a romantic lead uh danny devito voicing phil is probably the best like sidekick character out of this long list of movies that have cheesy sidekick characters i, I don't know i think there's a lot to really appreciate in hercules i do think beauty and the beast is a better movie but i had more fun re-watching hercules and there's baby pegasus yeah baby pegasus is better than baby yoda you heard it here well nate i was gonna ask you for i know in the video version you guys have your own little like avatars yeah yeah i was gonna ask you during the interview what you want yours to be baby pegasus word nice wait a second so you're gonna pick baby pegasus as your avatar and that'd be like nah this movie ain't even as good as beauty and the beast <laughs> he's sacrificing baby pegasus to elevate beauty and the beast i respect it <laughs> and you want that to be your avatar i have mad respect for you i agree matt i think that that's a fantastic idea <laughs> okay yeah if you give me baby pegasus i'll let you guys put beauty and the beast lower down on the list. No, no 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 awesome hercules number eight you're sacrificing hercules for beauty and the beast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right just to recap as we're going to go back through matt is going to be picking number seven we've got 12 ducktales treasure of the lost lamp 11 the hunchback of notre dame 10 pocahontas nine rescuers down under and eight is hercules okay well so for number seven i had rescuers down under but now that that's moved down under on our list i guess i would have to go to uh the little mermaid which was number nine on my list okay i agree to an extent i feel like the little mermaid's importance in kicking off this era cannot be understated yeah the little mermaid saved disney animation period personally i would still like to see beauty and the beast under the little mermaid this is where i turn and say beauty and the beast is my number seven i think it should go here <laughs> i disagree little mermaid is lower for me did you guys grow up with girls in your house yes, yes. Yeah. that's part of the reason why initially i was like i don't think the little mermaid is gonna make very high for me because i've seen this movie to death oh or then when it came to actually making my list i took a look at some of the movies that i didn't quite enjoy as much some of the movies with like weaker soundtracks and i was fine making the little mermaid like the buffer between like the all right movies and the great movies but the more and more i thought about it the more and more I felt like it would be an injustice to put down The Little Mermaid when The Little Mermaid, like Nate was saying earlier, saved Disney animation, period. Dude, Under the Sea, Kiss the Girl, Little Mermaid soundtrack is really good. Beauty and the Beast has a lot of like sappier, kind of slower songs. And then it's got Be Our Guest, which is like the only musical song. Like you were saying earlier, Matt, how like Beauty and the Beast really thrives because of its musical theater homages and things like that. And I certainly agree. But 
but the first one of these templates that is actually a musical is The Little Mermaid. It's just more influential. Beauty and the Beast feels like a step forward in terms of the animation quality and in terms of uh, bringing this like critical reception along with that success. I would rather watch The Little Mermaid before I watch Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, good point. Good point. My only thing that I don't like about the Little Mermaid. I love the songs. I love the songs. Oh my gosh, the amount of chills I get from all the songs. I just don't like the characters. I find Ariel to be so self-absorbed. She's so crude to flounder. She never really looks him in the eye the entire time. <laughs> that poor little fish has to follow her, put up with all of her shenanigans. I just find all the characters to be very, very cruel and two-dimensional, but that's just how I see it. But you know what, guys? This is your pod. This is your podcast, not mine. <laughs> All I'm saying, Matt, is Ariel is redheaded royalty, and Flounder is a simple peon. She should be lucky that he gets treated half as well as he does. <laughs> Are we saying that Flounder's a simp? Yes. <laughs> yes, he's an OG simp. Is Flounder? I also think Sebastian is a simp. Yes. So, oh, what do you mean? He's given the most chat advice. It's not being followed, and he can't do anything about it. I think he's a little bit of a simp. Has anyone? ever been to that um that weird little mermaid play type thing in disney world i think it's in like hollywood studios uh no but i was with my cousins lauren and holly i don't even know if holly was even born yet but gosh we had a i remember they had to go wait in line for a long time and i was like no nah, i'm gonna go ride the bugs life ride or something yeah i was no i wasn't gonna wait in line for hours that was probably a good move no thanks i want to have fun so when i went to disney when i was like really young i got one of those autograph books and had all the characters sign it and instead of signing it Ariel just kissed it with like pretty thick lipstick. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is cool, Alden, guys. This is cool, Alden. If I had gone to Disney uh, World when I had hit puberty, I probably would have waited in line to meet Ariel, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, it sounds like, Matt, your case for Beauty and the Beast was really solid. I do respect that those characters might be better, more flushed out than The Little Mermaid. Uh, I mean, I agree with you. The, the characters are just all, like, archetypes, and they're very two-dimensional. I think the only character that kind of has depth to her is Ursula. And I understand why she's like a fan favorite of Disney villains. Mm -hmm. I don't like King Triton. I I think Prince Eric's actually all right for like a romantic interest, uh, surprisingly. The, the ensemble cast of The Little Mermaid is a little weak sauce. Whereas Beauty and the Beast, that might be one of the best selling points. Yeah, any other movie, like The Little Mermaid remake that's about to come out, I'm sure all of Ariel's sisters are going to be like full fleshed out characters. And every time I watch it, I'm like, how come these aren't like people? Wait, Aquaman already came out jewelry what are you talking oh, about oh shit you're right <laughs> <laughs> if i'm being honest i'm pretty sure king neptune from the spongebob movie would be better in little mermaid all right so let's take it to a vote i, <laughs> I i'm gonna have to say matt's debate really won me over i i genuinely think beauty and the beast should probably be over little mermaid i might have my nostalgia goggles on for that i am still gonna go with uh beauty and the beast being in this spot instead of little mermaid just because i have to represent redheads i was also kind of swayed but hmm, hmm. alden what's your vote 
Maybe I don't have to be a tiebreaker. Well, my vote is Beauty and the Beast goes higher. Shit, am I a tiebreaker? No, it sounds like three of us are now saying that. All right, Little Mermaid down here. Little Mermaid's number seven. Undone does see. Boom. Number six is going to be the C because Little Mermaid is under it. Alden, what do you think should be number six? A little controversy time, possibly, but The Lion King. Oh. That is definitely controversy. Alden, you know that I'm on your team as far as liking Aladdin more than The Lion King goes, but I cannot agree with this. <laughs> <laughs> this is far too low. Uh, you, you'd you be mad at where I put it on my list. Matt, how does uh, Lion King at number six make you feel? Wait a second, wait a second. Where did you put it on your list? We'll get there when we get there. We're here now. Where did you put it on your list? <laughs> it's number 12. What? 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 <laughs> the Lion King is your number 12? That is a clown ass take alden 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 i don't even know you but i don't even know if i want to continue to know you after this this is (laughs) yeah that's some shit to say okay matt can i can i give you a little bit of insight about alden real quick yes give me some insight lion king one and a half is in his top 10 movies of all time top three what lion king one and a half is that the one that's just the timon and pumbaa movie yep i always remember about lion king one and a half is just the scene where like pumbaa's in like a jacuzzi and then he gets out and then it stops bubbling <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> fart he's just been farting in it the entire time <laughs> top three movies of all time <laughs> yeah it's it's probably the only uh movie from my childhood that i still care deeply about this can't number six can't be the lion king i'm sorry it's just not happening <laughs> everybody else go with their nominations first because mine is going to be beauty and the beast again mine's i'm kind of putting this one a little lower uh tarzan yeah i'm thinking tarzan Oof. too i mean i enjoyed tarzan when i was a kid but now revisiting it when i was older and also reading a lot about what critics thought of it what it's not a musical it's kind of a music video besides that one song with like in sync that was involved in where they're like kick it around on all the drums on the campsite mm-hmm. yeah cleaning up the camp we all know what's up they went from phil collins to in sync so did society <laughs> yeah they did unfortunately i mean phil collins makes that that movie but i i i I, I still get chills when I see Tarzan, but as an adult looking back on it, it, it kind of moved down lower. So I'm arguing Tarzan gets a little lower on this list. How long has it been since you last saw Tarzan? Well, if I'm going to be honest, Tarzan was like kind of the one movies I didn't really watch when Nate sent me the list. And so now I feel bad. No, because I felt the same way that you did until about an hour ago. <laughs> decided to start watching Tarzan a little bit. And holy shit, the first couple seconds of this movie immediately pushed it up like two or three spaces for me. The animation quality was something that I didn't really appreciate as a kid, but like the intro where it's like Tarzan's parents and they're like get shipwrecked and like stranded on like this jungle island or whatever it is. Oh my God. Like as far as like yo moments and like chills, like the intro to the rescuers didn't really do it for me, but Tarzan really did. Yeah. What you were saying about uh, Tarzan not really being a musical, I think actually works in its favor. I felt like after what 10 movies in a row of Disney making these like animated musicals I think Tarzan really stands out for not following that same formula and because the visuals are so good not even in comparison to the movies on this list because honestly the animation in Tarzan is light years better than the animation in all of these movies uh it's, it's integration of computer uh generated effects and painting as well as camera movements is so 
so fluid. I don't have Tarzan as like my number one or anything, but I do have it six places higher than Beauty and the Beast. And I think the characters in Tarzan are so strong. The fact that the visuals are as good as they are, and they just were like, you know what? We were going to have the characters sing these Phil Collins songs, but it actually works better if we just have Phil Collins do it. It is so cool. Great soundtrack. Great characters. Yeah, I think it's really bold of the movie to like kind of have the Phil Collins music almost narrate the film. And I think it's really neat. Yeah. It's one of two movies on this list, and we'll get to the other one a lot later. I will actually listen to songs from this soundtrack on Spotify. Like, I will pull them up. I won't do that about any of these other songs. And I know that's a hot take, especially for a guy who cares about as much as musical theater as I do. I do it with a couple of the other ones just because, you know, I'm gay, but... <laughs> <laughs> I have a MIDI keyboard with, like, a beat pad and everything that I never use. I bought it thinking I was just going to start making music and i and i don't at all but sometimes i love to play the soundtrack to tarzan and pretend that like i'm phil collins <laughs> <laughs> i'm making the beats to like all of it and i'm just like it's just creating a cinematic masterpiece score uh <laughs> in my room i good points on tarzan i don't think it needs to be that lower but if you think it needs to be higher but this is when i get weak on tarzan so as far as other movies nominated for this spot it sounded like the lion king for some reason and <laughs> beauty and the beast yeah this is a no contest for me beauty and the beast is sticking out like a sore thumb compared to lion king and tarzan for me personally yeah yeah, yeah. bring it down <laughs> you know i'm sorry you put up a really good fight but beauty and the beast at number six well i'll see you guys at the academy awards or you guys will see me at it and it's all gonna be because i was rooting for beauty and the beast I'm <laughs> there goes to matt king for arguing for beauty and the beast <laughs> <laughs> honestly i feel like duel of the takes could get an oscar nomination this year it's looking pretty rough <laughs> <laughs> yeah we need to publish like a full episode that's over 90 minutes long and release it in two theaters in the country or our bottom six i should say are ducktales treasure of the lost lamp hunchback of notre dame pocahontas the rescuers down under hercules the little mermaid and beauty and the beast uh this is the time of the show we're going into the top five i'm expecting these debates to get even more heated and personal so before matt king hates us Let's ask him a couple questions. <laughs> Matt, you were just talking about you buying a MIDI keyboard and uh, pretending you're Phil Collins to create music. I just got done listening to your awesome podcast, Hoot and a Half, uh, last week's episode about Scotty Sire. You interviewed him so well. Hearing about him like deciding to get into music was was really neat. I, I wasn't familiar with his his story there. That's really cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you uh, so much, Nate. Uh, yeah, Scotty's just one of my closest friends and happens to make incredible music. And and performs it also very, very well. But it's so funny because he's still very like shy about it and he kind of just goes off and makes it. So uh, it's cool being around that. And my roommate as well, Todd, who's in Scott's band, but is a musician as well. We're constantly making music in the house, but uh, thank you. Thank you though for the, the plug. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more because I'm not as familiar with some of your, your other content, the things you do. I have seen the Old Spice ad on Instagram, though, and I honestly switched deodorant brands for the first time since hitting puberty. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm actually wearing Old Spice socks right now because they sent them uh, to me, like nice. the hair package. So I'm rocking Old Spice socks. But yeah, I mean, mainly right now I am working on my podcast, which is just the audio version. But right now we are going to be setting up the video version as well. And that's going to be really cool. I'm going to be doing that out of my house. And um, so look forward to that. And then also I'm planning on like another like YouTube video for like my super eight stuff. And I just 
got the footage sent to me this morning, but I woke up to do this podcast. So right after, I'm very excited to open up a whole roll of Super 8 film. Dude, that's so exciting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, no, that's basically what I've been working on is just that. I, I love Hoot and a Half with Matt King, the full title. Look it up. It's it's on everywhere. Yeah, I believe you use Anchor as well. It's a great way to record and distribute your podcasts. They're a sponsor of our show. They're a sponsor of his show. Definitely check them out. One thing I will say is, you know, podcasting means so many different things to so many different people. But what you do with your very loose format is very impressive to me because there's never a down moment. I was going to ask, my question is, you know, episodes are around an hour. Sometimes they're a little longer. Sometimes they're a little shorter. It's a very loose format, but like how much editing is required? Because for this show, we cut out hours of footage. Oh, I know. I can't imagine how you have to edit around this. And it makes sense when you were saying that you had to go off and edit your podcast because you really have to concise this down. And there's so much mental gymnastics of figuring out, oh, wait, where are we in the ranking? How does this go? All of that. Um, my um, editing process for us is actually pretty simple. We just mostly, mostly when we revisit it, cut out all the dead space, cut out any times where one of us is uh, talking over the other person and um, just... Uh, doing that and placing it like with the uh, the ads on anchor and anchor's been an incredible tool and a sponsor as well of my podcast um for helping edit it and or we just cut out the moments of the story that we or moments of the conversation that we feel like eh, this shouldn't go out to the public but sometimes i just want the person also to feel so comfortable where they feel like anything that they want to talk about they can talk about um, but the editing process is actually pretty easy. It's probably going to become more complicated once we do the video version. That's super exciting. I, I would definitely watch the video version. I know you personally, you're super animated when you talk and when you tell stories. That alone is the selling point to listen, or rather watch Hoot and a Half instead of just listen to it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I'm going to be very excited when people can see the video version and see how um, animated and expressive I am when I get to talking. But I'm worried I'm going to like come off like just like a crazy Jimmy Fallon where I'm like just moving around and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what do you got next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, society needs a crazy Jimmy Fallon, if I'm being honest. Uh, Don't we already have one? Talk show hosts are too boneless right now. That's why podcasts are doing as well as they are. Truly, truly. And so I'm so excited to keep bringing it to life. But yeah, thank you, Nate. All right. My last question is, you probably got to see a lot more of these movies in theaters uh, than we did. Did you have a favorite uh, like Disney Renaissance movie growing up, like associated from the ranking? Lion King came out when I was about, oh, I think two years old. The only movies that I really remember seeing in theaters out of this list were Hercules, and seeing Tarzan, and I'm pretty sure I saw Hunchback. Yeah, those are the only ones that stick out for me in terms of like going to the theaters and seeing it. I just always remember that scene in Hercules, seeing in the movie theater where Hades is showing him the, the, the pool of all the dead souls and everything, and he's throwing him, they're trying to throw him off the cliff, I'm pretty sure. I, I just remember seeing that visually when I was a, a kid going to the theaters and stuff. Yeah, the rest though were mostly VHS is, oh, I have a question. Yes. I was looking at one list of somebody ranking these movies because I was just curious about other people's thoughts on them. Is Doug's first movie considered part of this list or not? Um, So it technically could be. It's almost in the same category as the um, as DuckTales and a Goofy movie in terms of it's produced by Nicktoons. Premiered on Disney Channel first and then got a theatrical release after ABC bought the rights. 
rights. Uh, Nickelodeon bought the rights from Disney. Oh. Yeah, it was produced by one studio, and then the other one bought the rights after and then distributed it. So it's not a, it's not a Disney distribution. Interesting. And Nate, I'm just concerned that you even know that. <laughs> I, rem I remember seeing Doug's first movie in theaters in Grapevine, Texas, with my good friend Addison. In theaters. I saw that movie for sure in theaters. But yeah, I know it's like a little... But it's weird because it's Nickelodeon and Disney, and I didn't even know that they a partnership in that way for that film but okay i don't know why but doug was some like goliath of animated television shows in like the mid 90s i i will never understand it because i'm too young but yeah no the two biggest companies comcast and disney were fighting head to head for the intellectual property that is Doug. I also think it's extremely bold to name your movie Doug's first movie. I feel like that's either you're going to be like Pokemon and you're going to have like 40 movies in 20 years or you never get a second movie. Yeah, there was never a second or at least or not even a one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> the interview section's over. Thank you so much, Matt, for uh, hopping on this podcast with us. It's great to have you on. I'm excited to see what this top five shapes out to be. Well, I'm glad oh to be on. I believe it is Jory's turn. What do you think should be at number five? Before we continue, I just want to ask real quick, does anybody else have their top five preserved? No. No, I have, I have, I have uh, four out of the five. I also have four of the five. So Matt, of the top five movies that you have on your list, how many of them are still uh, available for the group list? Beauty and the Beast is now lower. Yeah. Four of them are still hanging on. Damn, I'm feeling pretty good then. <laughs> Four of my five are holding on. Now that we got a Little Mermaid in number seven, I only have four as well. Well, my number five is Tarzan. After that whole uh, spiel we had about it before, I still feel that way about it. However, I still don't think that it's going to eke out the rest of these movies for me because the rest of these movies are so well-beloved in my mind and I have always had the relationship with them that I do. And Tarzan is a movie that I've only been able to appreciate the finer points of now as an adult. See, that's how I feel about another movie on this list we haven't talked about, Mulan. Mm. Mm -mm. You're going to leave that alone. I'm with Alden on that one. I think that Tarzan is a better movie than Mulan, so I don't think either one of those should be going here. At my number six, I have Aladdin. I think it's time to start introducing that into the conversation now that we've hit the top five. Aladdin is number five for me, so... Oh, no, guys. It, Aladdin is number five for me as well. Uh-oh. Jory, we're outnumbered. <laughs> oh no. But I love Aladdin, but Robin Williams carries that movie. And if he wasn't in it, it would be a pretty stale. You know what movie. Aladdin would be if Robin Williams was not in it? Aladdin would be a pretty solid Disney movie with some solid villains starring Jam Jeremy Irons as Jafar and Gilbert Gottfried as Iago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would. This narrative that Aladdin would be nothing without Robin Williams. No, Robin Williams is just. No, dude, I completely disagree. I completely disagree because Matt is right. Robin Williams carries that movie on his shoulders. Think of another movie that has uh, this like genie element, genie in a lamp. Look at DuckTales Treasure of the Lost Lamp. Does anyone care about Dijon or whatever the genie's name is in that? No. I don't. Do you think that Aladdin without Robin Williams as the genie is on the same tier? 
near as DuckTales the movie. I feel like we're really, I feel like those are very two-dimensional. What Matt was saying about the Little Mermaid, there's pretty much no depth to anyone in Aladdin, except the genie. I mean, outside of the characters for a second, I feel like you're devaluing, like, the the environment, the music, the costumes. Like, there's a lot to love about Aladdin outside of Robin Williams's iconic performance as the genie. The animation's cool, I'll say that. I don't think the character design or environments are amazing, except in the big set piece numbers. I do think the music is pretty decent. I don't think it's as good as the music in the other movies that are higher than this. I think Aladdin's a fine number five. It made the top five. I think that in conversations about movies of this era, the popular top two that everybody talks about is The Lion King and what else? Aladdin. I think that putting it at number five, I hear a lot of Mulan or Beauty and the Beer, severe underrating from us. Mm. Uh, so we're between Tarzan and Aladdin? I feel like I'm in the Situation Room at the White House right now, and this is... <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, such a big thing. I mean, just my argument is that Aladdin is good because it's so good is because of Robin Williams, and if you took Robin Williams out of it, I don't think it would be as good, So, and it wouldn't be there. So it's this, like, it's one thing that makes it so good. I don't think that we should be I don't think that we should be arguing about how much worse a movie would be if we took something out of it. Okay. The movie is what it is. Robin Williams is in this movie and he is as good as he is. The visual storytelling of Tarzan is far more impressive than anything in Aladdin that just kind of repeats the Disney princess formula but makes it a dude instead and then sets it in like Arabia, which is cool and all and I think that there is a lot to appreciate about Aladdin, but it isn't anything ground breaking it isn't anything that's different than the other movies on this list no it's not but it's a formula perfected is it because lion king's better and according to this list it's undisputed i don't think that lion king is the same formula it is a disney animated musical with wacky sidekick characters it is the same formula and it's better yes but it also doesn't follow the princess formula that you just said that aladdin is following okay fair enough fair enough if this is between aladdin and tarzan my vote is for tarzan to take this spot then i agree then yeah give tarzan that spot because tarzan was lower on my list than aladdin mine as well yeah tarzan at number five josh what do you think number four on this list should be is it too early to mention mulan there's only four slots left mulan's my number four i want mulan a little higher but mulan is my number four but i do have aladdin lower so i think i guess the debate there is mulan or aladdin well sometimes i feel like i need to be like more politically conscious when it comes to these disney movie rankings <laughs> I put Mulan higher because I felt like I'd be a better person if I put Mulan higher than Aladdin. <laughs> Wait a minute, why isn't Pocahontas your number one? <laughs> Politically incorrect uh, depiction of history. So that What are you talking about, Matt? Pocahontas and John Smith were in love and they managed to stop racism. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of that movie, so like all the, the European settlers come. This guy gets shot. They're like, we gotta take him back to England. The white people believe yo <laughs> when did this happen <laughs> <laughs> like hey let's settle jamestown and then like leave <laughs> would would we be here right now if like pocahontas was historically accurate you wouldn't have indian reservations or something i've got a i've got puerto rican ancestry so i'd still be here <laughs> i don't know about the rest of you <laughs> Anyway, we're putting way too much thought into this. I, I don't feel like a better person because Mulan's higher on my list than Aladdin. I just think that Mulan is a better movie structurally. I think they have another great supporting 
uh, character in Mushu, but unlike in Aladdin, he doesn't overstay his welcome and become the only thing worth watching in the movie. He's a dumb comedic relief character that is really funny and paved the way for movies like Shrek that Alden loves un- with an undying passion in terms of Eddie Murphy in a kid's movie. I think Mulan is a lot better than Aladdin. I think the songs are better. I think the characters are stronger uh, across the board. And I think the environment is more entertaining. I think seeing this war ridden China is is awesome. This kind of like Arabian city and the desert and stuff feels tired. It feels like a staple of adventure movies, but it becomes a Disney princess movie. And Mulan isn't a princess movie. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about it is it's got a strong female lead that isn't royalty or isn't their their main concern isn't hey i need to leave this castle because i'm tired of being here my whole life it is my country is under attack my dad is too old to fight and i need to go defend my country that is epic i agree with what nate is saying these two movies mulan and aladdin are my number one and number two whoa whoa oh that's just the way that i feel about it i think that mulan and aladdin both deserve to go a lot higher but because of everything that nate said and because of the structure of my own list i think mulan deserves to go a lot higher as well i i can't believe i'm doing this but i guess i'm gonna vote for aladdin to go at number four here yes all right. Yeah, but I I was having just some second guesses thinking of uh uh just Aladdin soundtrack, you know, uh uh why am I blanking on this song? Oh, Magical Carpet Ride. A whole new world. A whole new world. A whole, whole new world, Arabian Nights, one step ahead, friend like me. Oh no, Aladdin fucking sucks, bro. <laughs> It's number four. It's in a very respectable place. It overthrew Tarzan, which is a lot better in my... I'm down for giving it number four Aladdin. I could do something really fucking wild and just mention what's at my number four spot, the Lion King. I know that Alden is going to struggle to help me in this fight. (laughs) But he had the Lion King at number 12. No, look, I'll, I'll go with it. I'll go with it. It's fine. But what I'm really excited about is I think... What we're itching on is a mutual agreement about number one. If my it's looking like it, I I, I don't know. I feel this energy where we're all gonna agree on number one. But let's everyone but George. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like that. <laughs> yeah. I like Nate, and I he has raised this movie up in my opinion, but I'm not gonna put it at my number one. So our top three movies, the movies that are left in no particular order, are Lion King, Mulan and a goofy movie this is the top three that i think we were destined to have it makes sense yeah yeah well i didn't see us getting this far with mulan so i would nominate mulan for number three i agree it's my number four i think mulan at number three is is a fine fine spot in a list like this we know how i feel about mulan personally the lion king never really touched me in the way that it seems that it did everybody else obviously same i don't think that i have a fight here Jory, can I talk to you for a second, just separately? I'm concerned. I'm really concerned about your childhood. I'm very sad. (laughs) (laughs) Alden's childhood, putting the Lion King at number 12. Yeah, now I will just say the Lion King is my number four. The Lion King is Alden's number 12. I feel like that's way worse. Oh yeah, Alden, I'm concerned about you too. (laughs) What are the elements of Mulan that you like better than Lion King, Jory? The music, the environments, the protagonist. I just, the Lion King never really did it for me as a kid. Same. I think 
the storyline in Lion King is fairly dry to me. I'm not a huge fan. I will say the music, the visuals, all of that. And so, so you don't like Black Panther 2018, or you don't like Hamlet? Neither of those are some of my favorites. So no, I discussed don't. this a little bit before in the podcast, but I'm not a fan of Hamlet. Um, and I definitely carries over to Lion King and any other Hamlet remake. Are we gonna rank the Shakespeare like tragedies at some point? Is that something that's happening? I. I hope so. But I I just wish the Lion King had a to-be-or-not-to-be monologue, you know? (laughs) What if you give it to Mufasa right before he gets thrown off the cliff by Scar? The emotional weight there, it's a suicide. He's trying to teach his son a lesson. Why doesn't Simba have the to-be-or-not-to-be speech? I wish that Simba was just Hamlet and suicidal the whole time eating fucking bugs with these homeless dudes. Guys, Hamlet's not actually insane. Hamlet's kind of fucking mentally ill. No, he's smart and cunning. He's like an action hero. He's pretending to be insane to win the kingdom back over. You don't have to be stupid to be mentally ill. I wasn't implying that, Jory. Please don't put words in my mouth. I said he's mentally ill, and you said he's smart and cunning. Okay. Well, he's very depressed. Hamlet's very depressed. I don't think Simba's depressed. He's just lost. Simba decided to go hang out with, like, two random-ass dudes, Timon and Pumbaa, smoke a lot of weed, and then thinks he has the kingdom. I don't I, I don't know. I, I think that we're getting down to a really close here. I do have Lion King higher. I don't love Simba as a character. I don't even really care that much for the ensemble cast. What I really enjoy about The Lion King is it was Disney making a big change in source material and where they were getting their ideas from instead of being a retelling of a Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale and then adding musical numbers. They did a lot more of creative writing, in my opinion, and taking a Shakespearean play and tweaking it and trying to make it as kid-friendly as possible, but also tie it into this theme of the circle of life. And I, I think the theming of Lion King is greater than that of the theming of Mulan. I just think the characters and the journey they go on in Mulan is better. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to be the first one to mention it. Who has a Goofy movie at number one? Uh, me. 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 The whole panel, except for Jory, has Goofy movie at number one. Sounds like it. That's hilarious. This is history. We are culture, boys. I just was very curious. I will say that if I didn't know Nate, Goofy movie would not be by number three. <laughs> but I'm going to go with my own opinion on this one. Uh, do we want to vote at number Number three between the Lion King or Mulan? I mean, it sounds pretty clear. I vote Mulan. I vote Mulan. Mulan. I, okay. Mulan at number three, the top two, the two greatest Disney Renaissance movies, The Lion King and a Goofy movie. This is exactly how I saw it shaping out, guys. I'm going to be completely honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is my number one and two. Going back to what my sister Grace said, because I had The Lion King as my number one for a while, uh, my little sister told me, Josh, when you were younger, every time we went on a family road trip, the first movie you would pop in is a Goofy movie. You watch that shit all the time. Like, think about it. Not even, like, think about Nate for a second. Like, that has to be, like, one of your most, like, watched Disney movies of all time. Wait, your sister told you to stop thinking about Nate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just forget about, well, she's like, forget about Nate's bias for a second. She's like, that your own opinion, like, you love a Goofy movie and you just don't remember. Goofy movie also is the ultimate road trip movie because the whole movie is a road trip. I mean, when I have kids, what am I going to be more excited to share with them? The Lion King 
or a goofy movie? For me, it's a, goo- a goofy movie, though a Lion King may be more entertaining to like a four-year-old. And maybe we have a weird connection with the goofy movie because we knew the characters of Disney really well. I don't know what goofy is going to be like in the Disney uh, uh, mind space when you're young in the future. Gosh, a goofy movie is so good. I actually got my first taste of that, Matt. Uh, my sister ha- has uh, two kids and I got to see them a little bit this summer. My nephew's favorite movie right now is a goofy movie. He's watching it all the time. And I have hope for the future generations because a goofy movie is such a strong and mature movie that is like acceptable for kids. I mean, it's a great story about a, a damaged father and son relationship and through lying and deceit, their, their relationship worsens. But by the end of the day, they have this like undeniable, like love for each other. It's, it's a, it's a relationship you can't contest. Yeah. In a list of movies here that have, I don't want to say like problems with the parental figures of their movies, but I mean, everyone's parents are dying left and right, or they're a sort of antagonist, like in The Little Mermaid. In a Goofy movie, the conflict between Max and Goofy is what sells the movie. And it's the most grounded into reality it's the one you can most directly learn a lesson from out of all of these movies which is so weird because goofy's like the slapstick comic relief of the original like disney characters this movie's an enigma and it's a masterpiece no not all of us can relate to simba's struggle with his uncle killing his father and then having to go achieve the kingdom of animal kingdom but at some point in our lives we all have complicated relationships with our father and our desires of our social life and trying to figure out what we want versus what we need to do and then at the end i don't know learning that we're all together we're all in the in this journey and the people that we love do love us as much as we may uh love them and so that's what like the beauty of your goofy movie is you as you get older you can still revisit it relate to it you know i think lion king got so high for me because i think it does the scar and mufasa relationship really well like i'm I think that's why also Prince of Egypt was really high when we ranked the DreamWorks movies, because I think a brother and brother arc is could be really good if it's done well. I think um, one thing about The Lion King that I really like appreciate is, to me, when you mentioned a little bit earlier, Matt, that The Beauty and the Beast uh, was one of the first uh, animated films nominated for Best Picture. To me, Lion King is the epic of the Disney Renaissance. It is the biggest movie. It's the most in in scope. It's huge. It's not just, you know, four or five characters and in this whole like artificially orchestrated setting. It's like the African wilderness. Like it's it's huge. The the animation, the scope of it is massive. The Lion King is an epic and I think that a goofy movie just edges it out a little bit for being so grounded. It is like a small coming-of-age indie drama that happens to be a Disney animated movie. Yes, I agree, Nate. Nate, if you were running for office, you'd have my vote. You're very well spoken about <laughs> I'm going to make a Goofy movie required in every single school in the country. Goofy movie is now replacing mathematics. If I became a college professor, I would have a my own class called The Rhetoric of the Goofy Movie, and we would just dissect it over and over. We had a professor in film school do that with Mars Attacks. It was wild. Oh, my.
Oh my. Yeah, it ended up making a lot of people hate Mars Attacks. <laughs> God, yeah, I remember that. I've never seen so much hatred for Tom Jones in my life. Yeah, I know. People are like, fucking Tom Jones is in this movie? And I'm like, why are you so mad? <laughs> it's Tom Jones. Um, Just for shits and giggles, um, do you guys want a Goofy Movie 3? And if you do, what would you want in it? I've kind of had an idea for a while, but if Matt, if you have one, I'm ready to hear it. Max goes on a road trip with his own son. Ooh, and maybe like Max's son wants to be like this, like you, this sounds terrible kind of thinking of it, but it just comes to my, <laughs> maybe like Max's son is like, I'm down, but I want to do this for my YouTube channel. <laughs> it's trying to make all these travel TikToks and stuff. And maybe even, you know, the, the grandpa goof is part of the game too. And kind of just teaches him. It's not about getting the content. It's about just enjoying the, the, the moment. And I think that's how it would go down. Does grandpa goof go like viral on TikTok? <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised yeah and then like power line like comes back and then they go viral they bring it out on stage the power line reunion is a uh theme in mine as well uh my kind of pitch here is very similar to yours max is now let, let's say he's somewhat responsible he's 10 years removed from when the last time we see him in an extremely goofy movie which is an okay follow-up to a goofy movie but it would be like number 13 on this list i, I really think where where the story goes Max calls up Goofy. This is the opening scene, right? Hey, uh, Dad, I'm gonna be a dad. Hard cut and extremely raw Goofy movie. That's the name of the title, okay? It's a working title, but it's what we got. Oh, no. It, it sounds like a porno. It's <laughs> the raw part because he's gonna be a dad. It's heavy. You gotta think about it. I, I have been. So, so hard cuts nine months later, Max moved back in with Goofy. He's like a little bit down on his luck and he's trying to raise a kid. All of this is going on. Powerline's back on tour. He's doing the 10-year the anniversary or 15 anniversary of uh, the eye-to-eye -eye or whatever. And so Max and Goofy are like, well, what if we just do this road trip again? And they they take the kid along with them. And it, it's one of those like third entries in a trilogy that kind of like feels more like the first. The stakes really elevate because the relationship between Goofy and Max isn't a combative one this time around. It is simply Goofy trying to explain lessons of fatherhood to his his kid. I think that'd be that'd be a good movie. I'd see it. But I think uh, that at the end, he finds out that Powerline has actually been with Roxanne this entire time. So he's actually been raising Powerline's kid? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Wait a second, are we going to end this movie with Max's suicide? <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, isn't there a scene in the Goofy movie where they're like in the field and he's like sees Roxanne, but but it came before the movie The Gladiator, and I feel like Gladiator stole that scene in the field seeing his wife from a Goofy movie. Like <laughs> it seems like a total ripoff of that scene. I never thought of that. I wholeheartedly agree. That definitely happened. That was the dream sequence at the beginning of the movie. And yeah, it is. Yes. It is just like Gladiator. You know what's funny? When I rewatched it, uh, in my mind, I always thought that the scene where uh, uh, Goofy, you know, how he works at the mall and he takes family photos and portraits and stuff. And he has that, you know, the, he sees all those little fishing bobbleheads and the light is spinning around i always thought he goes manifest destiny but he says lake destiny like this whole time 
I thought it was manifest destiny. And I thought that was like the, 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 the meaning of the whole movie. Cause it is like manifest destiny, but it's Lake destiny. And that was the target of where he wanted to go. Damn. So goofy hates Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> Soak up all of my favorite things about goofy movie though. Right now. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I rewatched it one time with uh, one of my good college buddies, Jake McCready or one of my good high school buddies. And one of my favorite lines is when the principal, when they're like calling him into the office and, uh, uh, oh, who's the guy that, uh, oh, Bobby, Bobby, but he goes, Robert. Yeah, but he goes, he goes, Robert Zimarewski. <laughs> <laughs> he said, me and my buddy, anytime we see each other, we just like shout, Robert Zimarewski. Science slumber parties. I was thinking that same thing. He's like, what about science slumber parties? <laughs> it's so good. It. What's up with like the Tevin Campbell whole thing? Because Eye to Eye, I think, is on Spotify, but Stand Out isn't on Spotify. It's the other way around. Stand Out is on Spotify. Eye to Eye is not. Eye to Eye just got added back to Spotify this month, actually. Yo! Really? Yeah, I was listening to it the other day. I haven't illegally downloaded music since the days of uh, LimeWire, but... I did illegally download the Goofy Movie soundtrack and I've kept the files on my iCloud because they're so hard to find. And Goofy Movie soundtrack is so good. It's like in all my playlists. Like, and when it comes on and I'm like, let's say I've got a couple friends over, we got a Bluetooth speaker playing and Goofy Movie songs come on, no one asks to skip the song ever. It's this unwritten thing. <laughs> and there's nothing like the chills you got when you were a kid after his performance and he's standing in the crowd outside the school and everyone's like max 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 and it's that like bird's eye view shot and he just like books it out of the crowd and they all open up for him and then stand out like like starts up again he's like skateboarding home and it's like that ferris bueller's day off where he's just like hopping in between all of the backyards and oh my gosh Oh, it's so good. I'm getting chills, like goosebumps all around me thinking of it. Those are goofy movie bumps. Those are goof bumps. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> goof bumps. That should be the name of the sequel. It's just goof bumps. Or a goof. Or a Is it going to be a crossover with R.L. Stein? <laughs> <laughs> it's a horror anthology series with Max and Goofy. I love it. Oh, you guys need to have an episode where you rank... Uh, the best Goosebumps episodes, but there's a lot, so you would have to like narrow it down to like the top ten, and then bring from there. Matt, the hosts of the show would have to do their homework for that. I love Goosebumps. I would definitely do that in a heartbeat. I've seen all the episodes already. I've got this on lock. Yeah, me too. I love the books and that. Jory, uh, wait, you said you're? Are you Puerto Rican? Yes. Uh, can you speak Spanish? No, I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a joke yes no i don't speak spanish though i remember i had a spanish copy of goosebumps and i always loved it because it was called escalafrios <laughs> but goofy movie what a classic and just the it... nate, nate had a roommate that is very similar to the uh leaning tower of cheese guy yeah yeah bobby yeah my, my roommate in college was pretty much just robert zimaruski yeah he's a total he's a total stoner like smoke yeah Dude, it's the best Polly Shore has ever been in a movie ever. I'm sure it's the best Polly Shore has ever been ever. I always love that the, the the cheese pizza in that movie looks so good. It looks even better than than like Ninja Turtle pizza. <laughs> 
And didn't what what was his friend's name? Um, oh, Pete. PJ. PJ. Didn't he have uh the, or the inflatable water bed with like the fish in it? That is some high class shit. What did his dad do? How- well, that's the that's the hotel they go to, and that's where they eat the the cheese pizza. They're like chilling in a hotel room. That's the hotel. Oh, in my mind, I was thinking it was like the RV that they had. Okay. Oh, that, well, what kind of hotel were they staying in? A themed hotel. A good one. Yeah, one of those themed motels off of Route 66 that are no longer around because our country hates nostalgia when it comes to physical, tangible things, but then we're making a list that is purely based on nostalgia. <laughs> so anyway, that's why Snow White is the best Disney Renaissance movie. <laughs> Alright, so I guess I have a question for everyone. If this list extended to uh, you know, the greater Disney catalog. So we're talking over 50 animated movies. What do you think would be able to overthrow a Goofy movie? I mean, I'm just trying to get everyone to say on the record that a Goofy movie is the best Disney movie, period. Well, I mean... <laughs> Um, if we had to argue this to the public, there's no way a Goofy movie is going to win as much as we want it to win. I feel like this batch of, like, the catalog of Disney is already its strongest batch. Emperor's New Groove. He ain't got shit on Goofy movie. Emperor's New Groove is a childhood pick for me. I would go with him. Yeah, I have a hard time trying to pick something that the whole group would overthrow a goofy movie for but i i know emperor's new groove lilo and stitch like there's a couple ones that would be at least top three with it uh, what i love about emperor's new groove is it's an incredible storytelling um approach to it because you have the end the protagonist is almost basically the antagonist so self-absorbed he does the only thing he wants is just for himself he doesn't care about anybody else and there's a complete transformation in that usually you have a protagonist and and just the villain and the person who's trying to do good is just trying to do good throughout the entire film. That movie is this complete character transformation that I don't see a lot in a lot of stories. But Matt, yeah, Max is also the antagonist of a Goofy movie. Uh, yeah, good. Isn't Goofy the antagonist of a Goofy movie? Max gets himself in trouble. All the bad things that happen to Max are because of himself. All the bad things that happen to Max and Goofy's relationship are 90% of the time because of Max. Goofy is nothing but a good father to the kid, and he keeps making mistakes. But what's so awesome about it is that is life. That is everyone goes through that phase when they're a teenager of just making poor decisions, but growing and overcoming that. And the fact that he has Goofy there to be the hero of the film and and like change his life for the better. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, Emperor's New Groove is really, really good. And I do like that character transformation and i'd rather see it in a more grounded movie if that's the selling point i also think uh, emperor's new groove is probably the funniest like one of the funniest disney movies that they've ever made like i still love that movie to this day we didn't know we didn't know it was if it was part of the renaissance or not but i remember you saying you were a big treasure planet stan and it could have been your number one did i say that yeah I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I was joking because uh, I like Treasure Planet a lot, but it's nowhere near number one. Yeah, you said something about like drinking hot cocoa and watching Treasure Planet. You're like, this is the best Disney animated movie. That's a comfy nostalgia mood. <laughs> All right. Well, do we want to take turns reading our own lists before we get to the group? Real quick, while we're while we're doing like questions about our individual takes, Alden, why is Lion King your number 12? Uh, Realistically. It would probably be closer to six for me, but I put it at 12 
just to just to make an argument what is the argument uh no just for you guys to have something to yell at me for <laughs> but like why why do you hate lion king so much when you love the characters of lion king one and a half it's not even in top five for you man i mean that's like sus. uh i don't even care about simba all that much in one and a half it's mainly simone and pumbaa or Timon and Pumbaa. I, I genuinely think it's just the Hamlet part of Lion King that I don't like. It's not even really Hamlet, though. Like, it's just kind of a setup. I know, but it's the storyline that I don't I don't care for it. So do you don't you don't like the music or, like, Scar or Mufasa? The music's great. The visuals are great. I don't care about Mufasa all that much. Scar is whatever. I, I really appreciate the comedic, comedic aspect more. I respect you, Alden, but I feel sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair i think you're echoing the thoughts of our audience in almost every video matt oh you, you have to have an outlier so i respect it you have to have a fall guy i agree i'm glad that you can take the fall for me also not having lion king in my top three it's okay guys i had uh originally when i sat down to make this list the rescuers down under was my number three because i was so impressed uh after watching that movie for the first time since i was a kid and then it just progressively got lowered <laughs> same 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 it's literally my number three i guess i'm the clown on rescuers down under <laughs> Yeah, I mean, The Rescuers was the most recent one out of these that I've seen, like rewatching. It's so funny how much better The Rescuers Down Under is than the original The Rescuers. Have you guys seen the first one? No. no. Isn't there isn't there like a naked lady in that one? Yeah, the animators hit a, a still image of a naked woman in the window during a chase scene. <laughs> I heard Joy typing. <laughs> yeah, I kind of fucked my computer up. <laughs> Slamming on the keyboard. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, should I say my list first? I'll go first. Number 12, The Rescuers Down Under. Number 11, <laughs> DuckTales. Number 10, Pocahontas. Number 9, Hunchback. Notre Dame. Number 8, Hercules. Number 7, Beauty and the Beast. Number 6, Mulan. Number 5, Tarzan. Number 4, The Little Mermaid. Number 3, Aladdin. Number 2, The Lion King. And number one, a goofy movie. My number 12 is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Number 11, DuckTales Treasure of the Lost Lamp. Number 10, Pocahontas. Number 9, Beauty and the Beast. Number 8, Hercules. Number 7, The Rescuers Down Under. Number 6, Aladdin. Number 5, The Little Mermaid. Number 4, Mulan. Number 3, Tarzan. Number 2, The Lion King. And number 1, a goofy movie. Number 12. DuckTales, 11, Pocahontas, 10, Hunchback, 9, The Little Mermaid, 8, Tarzan, 7, Rescuers Down Under, 6, Hercules, 5, Aladdin, 4, Mulan, 3, The Lion King, 2, Beauty and the Beast, screw you guys, and number 1, a goofy movie. It happens to the best of us, Matt. <laughs> this how yeah, it literally happens to at least one or two people every time. Just watch how shitty the DC ranking is. Number twelve, The Rescuers Down Under. Number eleven, DuckTales the movie. Number ten, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Number nine, Pocahontas. Number eight, Beauty and the Beast. Number seven, Hercules. Number six, The Little Mermaid. Number five, Tarzan. Number four, The Lion King. Number three, a goofy movie. Number two, Aladdin. Number one, Mulan. I'm, I'm contemplating, should I read my list with Lion King where it should be at number six? Or Yes, read it as you went into this list, Alden. You already said it was number 12, yeah. No, 
All right, number 12, The Lion King. 11, Pocahontas. 10, DuckTales. Uh, 9, Tarzan. 8, Hercules. 7, Hunchback. Uh, 6, Little Mermaid. 5, Aladdin. 4, Beauty and the Beast. 3, Rescuers Down Under. 2, Mulan. One, a goofy movie. The comments for Alden are going to be wild. <laughs> they were in the Pixar one, too. I, I got a lot of hate. I think I managed to overshadow your shit takes with my own on that one, though. But, like, bro. The group list. Number 12, DuckTales, Treasure of the Lost Lamp. Number 11, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Number 10, Pocahontas. Number 9, The Rescuers Down Under. Number 8, Hercules. Number 7, The Little Mermaid. Six. Beauty and the Beast. Five, Tarzan. Four, Aladdin. Three, Mulan. Two, The Lion King. And number one, a goofy movie. Boom! There it is. Guys, I think this is one of our best lists ever, if I'm being completely honest. I agree. Yeah, I like the way it turned out. As long as you're not a nerd theater kid like Matt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm glad I came hey, in. I'm a nerd theater kid too, guys. I played Hamlet in Hamlet my senior year of high school. I'm as nerdy as it gets when it comes to theater kids. Uh, but is there any singing in Hamlet, Nate? That's right. I don't think so. I, I can't sing. That's the one thing I can't do. <laughs> Your girlfriend's pretty good at it. She's good enough for both of them. <laughs> Shout out to Megan. Also thinks Aladdin's better than Lion King. Thanks, Megan. She's going to be mad when she sees I actually got Goofy Movie, like, number one i think she is yeah my my girlfriend's mom i told her i was doing this podcast last night and i was just like listing off oh what the movies we had to do she's like oh goofy movie like that's gonna be last and i'm like you are wrong and i can't wait to tell her that goofy movie the uh, goofy movie was number one wow okay <laughs> well thank you matt for coming on our show being an awesome guest oh we're eventually doing a guest tier list uh this is a video that we have it's a horrible idea but i would say with your great takes awesome defenses made you're at least a solid a tier guest absolutely it's been a pleasure being on thank you so much for having me i'm gonna shout you guys out on my podcast we have one that's going out today so not today plug it on my podcast but uh guys this is so cool if you guys ever want to do that again and have me on it let me know because anytime i can geek out with people who are as smart and as brilliant and as nerdy as me, always down. So thank you again. What's another uh, movie topic you think you'd be able to shed some light on? Have you guys done Disney Channel original movies? No. Now, see, I'm a little older than you guys, so I may have a whole leg up on this, but I'd be very excited for you guys to watch some of the OG DCOM uh, classics. Oh, I have an older sister who's 30, dude. I, I know about Smart House. I know about Luck of the Irish. I know about some of the classics. Yeah, I always say if I was on Jeb Xenon. Zoom, 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 and Bahako, boom, boom, my supernova girl. Oh, dude, you guys should be scared to have me on for that episode. But yeah, Nate, once again, thank you so much for having me. I love being a part of this. Absolutely, man. You're welcome anytime. Stay tuned next week for the Tarantino movie ranking. Oh, that's right. We're doing Quentin Tarantino next week. Matt, do you have any uh, hot takes on Quentin Tarantino movies we should factor in for next week? Fun fact about Tarantino movies, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood, I lived on the cul-de-sac um, where Leo DiCaprio's house is. Yo, Yo. They filmed that movie when we were living at our house and we all got notices in the mail saying, 
uh, Tarantino shooting a movie on your street. So don't be alarmed if you see a whole bunch of traffic coming in. And if you may hear gunshots or anything, just know it's for the movie. And we were like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but we just thought it was like one scene that they were going to be shooting um, on our street in one of the houses. But no, I didn't realize that the entire, at the end of our cul-de-sac was going to be where Roman Polanski's house was and Leo's house. It all takes place, yeah, on our street. And anytime I have like friends from college visiting, well, when I did live in the house, it's in our neighborhood a few streets away, I would be like, wait, before we go into my house, let's just walk two doors down. And I would just love to see the reactions because they were like, holy shit. Oh my gosh, I'm in the movie. This is like, this is where it all goes down. So uh, yeah, fun fact about that with my Tarantino. Is there still a flamethrower in the shed? Have you, have you been to that pool? <laughs> no, but the house did go up for rent right after they shot it. And I did go into the house to look at it. But it was during the time where the movie was still, you know, in post-production. And we didn't realize that, uh, that, that the whole pool scene and everything was at the house. But I have stood there right by the pool and everything in that backyard. But I didn't know that much of the movie was going to be shot at the house. Wow, that's automatically not going to be my number nine now just because of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you everyone for watching. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. We do video episodes of all these podcasts. And if you're watching the YouTube video, check out the podcast. It actually supports us more directly. We've got sponsors there. Things are going well. Definitely check us out. Anchor.fm, the best way to make a podcast. If you want to do a podcast, you think you've got something to say, it's probably more entertaining than this. Go for it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Duel of the Takes. If you haven't already, check out the Duel of the Takes YouTube channel where we have highlights of every episode, bonus lists, and hot takes, as well as comedy sketches and more. Be sure to tune in next week where we will be ranking all nine films written and directed by Quentin Tarantino with special guest Kiernan Doyle. And as always, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.